0: Merry Christmas, everyone. This is a special time of year, and uh, it's a time, for some reason, I guess it's because grace began 12 years ago tomorrow, it's our 12th anniversary, that Krista and I always think about what an honor and a privilege it is to be a part of this community, this family, and... um, We just always say this time of year that we are so thankful for you, and I know we say that year after year after year, but it really does come from the sincerity of our hearts. Uh, We are just incredibly thrilled to be a part of this family, and we feel honored uh, each and every year, each and every week to be a part of it, and so thank you uh, for who you are and for being a part of it yourself, and we wish uh, the merriest of Christmases and a happy new year to each and every one of you. I want to talk just for a few brief uh, moments about something that God's kind of um, shown me in the Christmas story that uh, I've known, but I haven't really, really known it. And I want to start this way. I, I bet that you're just like me. I bet that you're just like me in this way, that you love people, that when there's a problem, when there's a need, especially when there's a problem or need in your life, you love the kind of people who roll up their sleeves and jump in and do something. Right? There are people in this world who do something, and there are people in this world who do nothing. I'll take the do somethings all day long. Would you agree with that? The people that when you say, oh, OK, I'll jump in and help. I have a flat tire. Well, let me change the tire for you, or whatever it might be. We bought our first house uh, 20 years ago. It was an absolute wreck. I, I could go on for a long time, but I'll spare you. It was abs- We couldn't even live in it. It was so terrible. And we'd been working on it for many, many, actually, a number of weeks. And there was a day that we walked out of the house, and my wife, Krista, was standing on the little tiny sidewalk of this dilapidated home, and she was in tears, and she prayed, God, please help us. We're never, this is, this is too big, we're never going to be able to do it. And that moment, Bill and Maudie Donovan rolled up. Now, some of you who've been around Grace a long time remember them. Uh, at that time, 20 years ago, they were in their 60s, Bill is no longer with us, and Maudie lives down in southern Virginia, a ways from here in her 80s. But there was, there is nobody, there could never be anybody more competent at straightening out a house that was in disaster like Maudie Donovan. And even though she was in her 60s, man, she just rolled. She would roll up to our house at 7 o'clock in the morning before we went to work, and then she probably would not leave the house each night on average to about midnight. She would work at our house all day long. Eventually, at one point, she took a week's vacation of her vacation, to work on our house. We had many late, late nights with them, Mario's pizza at midnight over here, having sausage subs and all that. These people are incredible. And from that point on, for those, for them, Bill and Marty, to roll up their sleeves and jump in and help us out in a desperate moment, boy, they were near and dear to our hearts from that point forward. It's incredible. Those kind of people who do that are heroes. And we love people who jump in and get involved, even though it costs them a high price. Anytime you want to help somebody out, it's going to cost a price. People do this even from places of power. Sometimes people will leave a place of power. Sometimes it costs them a price. Sometimes it'll cost them a place of power. I remember a story about 15 years ago when the Pope visited the United States of America. He was at this huge event. And there was a young guy, a guy was like 18 or 19 years old. He didn't have any arms, and he had learned to play the guitar with his toes, and he was actually very, very good. He played a song, and the pope was way up on stage in this chair that looked like a throne, and when he got done playing, the guy said this. He said, the next thing I know, here comes the pope trucking on down to me hugged me and planted a big smacker right on my cheek and the guy was just beaming can you imagine the pope leaving his seat to come down and kiss and hug me and tell me that he loved me well here's the thing jesus christ paid a very high price and he left a place of power to come down to us to help us out and this is the story of Christmas, and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because we think to ourselves, wow, that's a big deal that someone do that. Can you imagine if the president of the United States, in order to help you, had to put his life on the line for you and risk it all? There'd be a whole team of advisors around him and saying, listen, Mr. President, I'm sorry, we can't let you do that. Secret Service, his cabinet, all of his. I'm sorry, sir, we can't, presidents of the United States, don't do that. Well, God is viewed around the world, God is viewed around the world as being holy, as being separate, as commanding from his throne. He commands from his throne. He doesn't take off his royal robes and come down to be a part of us. And that's exactly what we read in the scriptures. And it doesn't make sense to our minds that Jesus Christ does that. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that Jesus Christ left his throne, his power above, to come down to be a part of us. We're told in 1 Corinthians 6.20 that God bought us with a very high price. Listen to this scripture verse, 2 Corinthians 8.9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. John 1.14 says it this way, that Jesus Christ took on flesh. Not only was he not separate from us, but he took on flesh. This is unheard of around the world. God doesn't do that. God commands. God is separate. God is holy. And yet he takes on flesh. It's called the doctrine of incarnation. And I want to sum up this doctrine that is... Just all kinds of thousands of pages are written on this doctrine of incarnation with just one brief phrase, and that's this. God is saying in incarnation, I am willing to get hurt in order to help. I am willing to get hurt in order. Flesh gets hurt, doesn't it, everybody? Anybody ever stub your toe? Stub your toe? I did about a week ago. I thought the whole world was coming to an end, like right there in the kitchen. I thought, oh, my gosh, the world is ending. I know it was supposed to end on Friday. It didn't end on Friday. We made it through Friday. I thought it was ending last week when I stubbed my toe because flesh gets hurt and it hurts so badly. And Jesus Christ, when he said, I'm going to take on flesh, says, I'm willing to get hurt in order to help you. God doing that for us. He was undeterred. And the thing is, is he knew the price that he was going to have to pay. He knew it all. I was reading this article recently out of uh, Time Magazine just this past week. A cute little baby right here on the cover. And it's talking about genetic testing. Well, the article is quite interesting because now you can have your children genetically tested and see if they have a predisposition for some kind of problem. And so if there's a predisposition in your child for Alzheimer's, don't let your kid play hockey or football. If they have a predisposition for diabetes, don't let them eat cheeseburgers. And the list goes on and on because now you know what could happen to them. And so you, they avoid that. Well, Jesus Christ knew that he was going to go to the cross and yet he came anyway. Isn't that interesting? Because he was undeterred even though he knew the risks that were involved. This is like a fairy tale, everybody. It's like a fairy tale. The prince leaves the palace to go and save Cinderella. Cinderella fights off vicious stepmoms and in fairy tales you're fighting off dragons and all kinds of wicked witches but that's a fairy tale right but somewhere in us we keep dreaming about that fairy tale that maybe to be true and the thing is about the story of jesus christ it's not written like a fairy tale it's not written like a myth it's not written like a legend it's written like historical fact that jesus christ would come even though he had to pay a very high price, even though he had to risk it all, he came to rescue us. We see glimpses of that even in the Christmas story. You see what we had up here? We had that manger. Did you ever wonder why? Nothing in the Bible is random at everybody. Did you ever wonder why it makes a big deal? And Mary wraps him in cloths and places him in a manger. What's a manger? A feeding trough. A feeding trough. We talked about this two weeks ago and last week when we had communion. Jesus says what? This is my body. Take and eat. I'm, be, I'm, I'm going to be sacrificed for you. Feeding trough. I'm going to be consumed for you. Right there at the very beginning of his life, what is being said is Jesus Christ is going to be hurt. He's going to be consumed. He's going to die for us. They appear to shepherds. Why shepherds? What's up with the shepherds? Why are we appearing to shepherds? More than likely, those shepherds were out in the fields because they're near Jerusalem. And shepherds would be in charge of the sheep near Jerusalem because those sheep are being prepared to be sacrificed at the temple. Right at the beginning, it's already there. The risk is involved. Anytime you want to have a relationship with somebody, you take a risk, right? If you would like to get married one day and you say, you know what, I want to get married, but I don't want to take any risks. I'm going to get married, but I never want to get hurt. Find a married person in here. And ask them how that worked. God wanted to have a relationship with us. And he was willing to get hurt to do so. Now, why was he so persistent in this? Here's the thing. It's very clear from this. He was so persistent. He paid such a high price. Because God did his own genetic testing on us. He did his own genetic testing on us. And he found out we had one top need. That was way above and beyond everything else. And that top need was salvation. We needed a savior. Mary sings her song in Luke 147. She said, my spirit rejoices in Jesus. Who? My savior. Luke 2.11. The angels told the shepherds. We just read it moments ago. It says, a savior has been born. Matthew 121. Angel appears to Joseph. He says, look, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because she's going to have a baby and you're going to name that baby Jesus because he's going to do what? Anybody? You know what it says? He's going to do what? Save his people from their sins. He is a savior. Salvation is the greatest need. It tops the list. And that's why Jesus has come. Here's the thing that's so confusing to us. Very, very difficult. Christmas. So we have these presents. You know what's in the box? Sometimes we get confused with think What's in the box is a better marriage. It's gonna give me a better man. He's gonna give me better health. He's gonna give me better finances. He's gonna give me a better house, a better job, because that's what we need. And you know what's in the box? The only thing in the box is salvation. Does Jesus Christ care that we have better homes and better lives and better health and better marriages? Absolutely. You know where it is on his list? Way down here. Way down here. You know what's way up here on his list? Salvation. Salvation. It's so clear. So clear in the story, all over the place. He's going to be the Savior. Do I care that you're happy? Yes, I care. Way down here, I care. What I care, right up here. Now, what's the problem? Our two lists don't match. Our two lists don't match. So we say, God, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? I'm asking for a spouse. I don't have a spouse. I'm asking for a better spouse. You can't get me a better spouse. I'm asking for a better house and a better job. My boss, he stinks. I can't stand him. Why aren't you answering me? And God says... I'm up here. Oh, I went to this thing. Uh, number 20 years ago, I went to this. A lot of things happened to me 20 years ago. 20, th- 20 years ago, when is it, multi-level marketing. I'm not speaking bad for those of you in multi-level marketing. I'm just telling you an experience I had, Okay, okay? So I go to this thing, and it's a room filled with people. And this guy's up front, and he's telling about this business opportunity that we all have and he starts it off he pulls out his wallet he takes out a check he says here i want to circulate this and he hands it to the first person he says just pass it around it's a check he said it's my month's payment this is what i made last month it check was ninety six thousand dollars he said now i'm going to tell you how to make ninety six thousand dollars a month the room was electrified you know why because his list Matched our list. We were all working off the same list. Tell me how to make that money. He was like, woo, woo. I mean, if he would have told people stand up and take all your clothes off and run around naked, we said, yes, go ahead, because you know you're listed in my list. We're good. Oh, I shouldn't have done that with the kids in the room. Sorry. Um bad <laughs> one, just in the moment, in the moment. But you know what I'm saying? When the lists match, when it matches, like, yes. And the problem is, is our list tends to always have way at the top happiness, health, great marriage, great house, great job, great retirement. has all these things, and they're all at the top of the list. And at God's top of his list is salvation. If we needed more money, if that was our number one need when God genetically tested us, he would have sent us a banker. If we needed number one on our list, great marriages, God would have sent us a marriage counselor instead of a savior. He would have sent us a doctor if our number one need was health. But we got a savior because God looked at us and he said, here's the number one thing that I'm concerned with. I am so sorry and I'm concerned about your health and I'm concerned about all the things that you face in life. But my concern is way down here. My biggest concern is for salvation. Biggest concern. So here's, here's the question. What have you done about God's biggest concern? Have you made a decision about Jesus Christ? Here's how you know that you have understood the message of Jesus from Christmas, the Christmas story, baby Jesus. Here's how you know you've understood that he has left it all to do what we could not do and that I can't crawl my way to God and it's all him. Here's how you know you've understood it. You have gratitude. You know there's a lot of signs right in the Christmas story a lot of signs you know this will be a sign to you here and you'll go there here's a sign to you here's a sign you'll see this sign there's all these signs all the way here's the sign to you and me that I understand and I've actually acted upon the Christmas the baby Jesus story gratitude gratitude when you really understand the story of baby Jesus when you really understand the Savior God's mercy and his grace you can't help it, you'll know this morning right now, you'll feel it welling up in you. And if it's not welling up in you, you you need to do some more study and prayer on what God has done for us, because you won't be able to help it. You can't fight it. You'll feel gratitude. Now, what do you do then with that gratitude? The first thing is, is have you made a decision about Jesus Christ? Have you acted upon it? Second thing is, what are you doing with that gratitude if you have? what are you doing do your two lists god's list and your list do they match is there a match between the two lists that you have jesus's top priority is it your top priority now i want to end with the story okay real quick i have a mission every single year in my life it culminates right at this season okay i have a mission my wife have a, has a mission i train all year for my mission I don't know what she does, but I train all year for my mission. All right? we, have, we, we have these two lists, and it's very fair and balanced. I want to read you her list first. Okay? So I actually wrote it down, because and I'm sure I forgot something, but I wrote some things down, so let me read it to you. So what is on her list is she buys a present. She buys presents. She buys them for me, our kids, my parents, her parents, my brothers, my sister, my aunts, my uncles, her aunts her uncles, my cousins, her cousins, my nieces, my nephews, my extended family, her extended family, her friends, my friends, and random other people that actually just sneak into our lives somehow. That's her list. My list is I have a tremendous amount of pressure on me. I have to buy for her to buy for her and do you know how hard it is to buy something for somebody who obviously is so skilled at gift I mean why would she buy these presents for everybody unless she was really good at buying presents for everybody right so she's she's very skilled you know how much pressure that is then I have to do that so we were way out of whack on that we were unbalanced I had a lot of pressure and she had little pressure on her so in, in in the beginning she would just write a list the priority list go do this and that was way too much And so what we have then morphed to is that she writes the list top down. Here's what I really want. Here's what I really want. And down here is a bunch of little stuff. I don't care. Pick whatever you want. I don't really care about this. But get this stuff way up here. And so I said, well, that's not enough direction. It doesn't help me enough. So she began to write the name of the store down and the location in the store. And then like maybe little diagrams of where I could find it in the store and the item number. We were still too far out of balance. That was way too difficult for me. So now, here's where, and I think we're at a happy place. Because now what she does is she sends me the link on Amazon. (laughs) Three or four clicks, I'm all done. And, And now it's all happy. All right, now here's what happens sometimes. I'm almost done. Here's what happens. Sometimes under all the pressure of Christmas, a lot of pressure at Christmas, a lot of pressure to buy for her and to to keep up with that list and do all those things like that, that sometimes I panic. I just freak and I panic. And instead of like putting my energy on the things on the top of the list, which she's told me to do very clearly, I freak out and I, I, I spend my time at the bottom of the list. And then on Christmas morning, there's a problem. Now, I want to speak to the men for just a second, just the men. So ladies, go to sleep guys, is it fair that she gets angry at me on Christmas? I mean, don't, shouldn't I get some slack or something? Because it's a lot of stuff. I mean, anybody can make a mistake. Do you think it's fair that she's upset with me that I spent all my time at that bottom of the list? Do you, please say, no, oh, man, she should never. Come on. I mean, be a Christian or something, you know? Come on. It, take Take it easy. I have actually done that a couple times in my life uh, and it didn't go over well. Uh, I was going to say something, but the kids in the room, I won't say it. So let's move on. Uh, let me wrap up by saying this. It is only right, you think about all that my wife does, it is only right thinking all that Jesus Christ has done. Thinking of all that Jesus Christ has done for every single one of us that we focus on what is most important on his list. Are you focused on what's most important on his list? Or are you focused on the stuff that's down at the bottom of Jesus's list? Uh, Do you have a list? I want to encourage you. Make a list. Make a list. When's the last time you prayed for people to receive Jesus Christ as Savior here at church? Is that near the top of your... it's It's at the top of Jesus's list. Do you have a list that says right at the list, which I'm praying for people? When's the last time you prayed for people in your neighborhood to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior? When's the last time you prayed for your family or you prayed for your friends or you played, prayed for the people that you work with to receive Jesus Christ as Savior? Because it's at the top of Jesus. And if, if we spend, like, if you're like me, if you're like me, and you spend all your time um, praying for safety and praying for happiness and praying for health and praying for money and all the, if you spend your time praying for all that stuff, Like me, if you're like me, then there's a problem. Because the two lists don't match. They don't match. Make a list for 2013. Make a list. Put it somewhere that you'll stumble across on a regular basis. And if your list matches God's list, here's what I bet you'll find as a simple byproduct of the whole thing. I think you'll find this, that your life will actually get better. It won't be the focus, but as a byproduct of your list matching God's list, your life will actually improve. Make a list and do it today and make your list match God's list. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Jesus, that you looked at us and you knew exactly what our need was. And you still came, and you risked it all. You left power, and you paid at a tremendous price. Help us to grasp that. And then out of that gratitude, Lord, God, it's so easy, so easy for us to focus on stuff that's at the bottom of your list. But Lord, help us to raise our eyes just a little bit higher, just a little bit higher, Lord, and to focus on that one thing that's at the top of your list. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. In your most holy name, amen.